State of Digital Publishing is a publication and community for digital publishing and media professionals in new media and technology. In this second season episode, we speak with Martin DeKuyper, CEO and founder of Review, about the state of paid newsletters. Review offers an editorial newsletter tool for writers and publishers. Let's begin. Hi, Martin. How are you? Hey, I'm good. Thank you. How are you? I'm not too bad, thanks. Yes, there's, there's been quite a few things that's been happening this week on your end, so uh, congratulations on the launch for Fast Company. By Thank now. you. Thank you. We're very excited about that one. Yeah, um, I'm, I'm sure it must have been a big project to, to get on board, so that's, that's a really exciting time. So. Yeah. Yeah. Martin, it's, it's an interesting, I guess, period of time now, you know, with... We've seen subscriptions, seen, seen a boom, and it's come to mainstream. Given that bigger publishers have taken the lead on that, and then you know, I've seen, I've seen for myself uh, in 2017 when we first seen a shift away from social media platforms. The first thing naturally people looked at was how to monetize their existing contacts, and people used used um, newsletters as a way to do that, I guess. But yeah, I guess. Just for people, before we go into the topic of newsletter monetization, I really wanted to just introduce, get you to introduce everyone to you about review and yourself. So if you could uh, just give a background about yourself, that'd be awesome. So I'm Martin. I'm from the Netherlands and I'm the co-founder and CEO of Review. Uh, and Review is, a, is an editorial newsletter tool for writers and publishers. So we help publishers to build a loyal audience using editorial newsletters and help them monetize that audience. Yeah, that's basically uh, basically what we do. Yeah, and I've, I'm, I've, I've always been a startup founder, so this is my third startup. We're doing this for a, a little over four years now. And, and uh, yeah, I think that's, uh, that's, uh, that's, uh, that's my background. So four years ago, what was the light bulb moment that made you realize, okay, I think there's a need to help monetize newsletters? Yeah, well, when we started out, we didn't think about paid subscription newsletters yet. When we started, we realized that, that it was hard to find the information that you, that you were interested in by the people that you trust. Like newsletters were sort of becoming more popular, but it was still early. Um, but everybody was looking for ways to you know, reach their audience uh, on the on the on the author side. And on the, uh, I, what actually triggered me was on the reader side. That, like I said, it was really hard to you know find the information by people that I trust. So I was reading a newsletter, or actually I found this newsletter by somebody that I really thought was a was very interesting and he shared a lot of interesting stuff on Twitter. And then I found his newsletter and I thought like, Hey, this is really interesting. You know, for me, this is a way that I can actually, you know, find that information without having to, you know, go through all my Twitter feed, like through all the content. And, you know, as you know, you sometimes you don't even see the content and it's even more true on Facebook. Um, but then I realized like it was really interesting that he combined you know, content curation or like sharing content or like giving his opinion and thoughts through email, you know, before like email newsletters were mainly used for promotional purposes. So that, that sort of triggered me. And, um, 
that's when we start building a, a tool that made that extremely easy. Like, I mean, there's a lot of email newsletter tools, email newsletter tools out there, but they're specifically focused on, on marketing. You know, they're called email marketing platforms. So that's when we started to create this you know, tool to do editorial newsletters. Um, and as you know, like within the last four years, newsletters have become even more popular. Um, so that's, I guess that's a good thing for us. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Absolutely. It's a good point you touched on because, you know, like you said, when people think about emails, people think about marketing or email marketing or email marketing automation. Mm-hmm. I mean, how do you see review, given that a lot of people are focusing more on marketing automation, uh, how do you see the competitive landscape look like? Like, do you think that there's the two main aspects of email or newsletters that people are thinking about for audience development or uh, what are some of the other applications of newsletters these days? I think you can, um, if you look at like email in general, I think you could sort of like roughly um, split it up in like, I would say like three different categories, right? So it's like transactional or like drip kind of like emails, right? Which is a totally different thing, obviously. And then there's like uh, promotional newsletters, promotional email, uh, which everybody, you know, knows as like spammy and, you know, not interesting and, you know, but it, it has a, you know, it has a different goal. Like it's mainly focused on conversion. It's focused on selling products and promoting services. And then I think the third category, which is sort of fairly new compared to the other two is editorial newsletters, which are way more focused on like reaching an audience and like, you know, building an audience and, you know, also has different metrics like, you know, uh, engagement. So it's not so much about conversion but much more about, about loyalty and engagement. I think that would, I would say that's sort of like that. So to give people more of a clearer, crystallized idea, do you think like, like I've noticed for myself when I'm looking at other publishers and the way that they're presenting their newsletters, um, they sort of put it more in a conversational format. So would you say that, that that's what you refer to as editorial newsletters, where you're sort of having a conversation a, a general conversation with a lot of people and you sort of end up inserting the links to stories and or areas that you want to highlight which are key to your audience i mean that's uh, the conversation part that's a that's like a, a part of it right yeah i think like editorial newsletters are more about informing about giving your readers a chance to read your content or also like give your opinion and your thoughts and part of it, obviously, is it's more conversation-driven. So what we see is that that personal newsletters work really well. Like if you connect, um, you know, especially from a publisher's point of view, if you connect the the writer um, to the newsletter and you make it more personal, that drives more conversation. Obviously, yeah, I think that's 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 mainly the the editorial newsletter part. If that if that answers your question, yeah, that does. So. So in terms of review now, so who, what, are the, uh, what are the types of publishers that are coming on? Are, are, they, are they a broad spectrum from small to large? Or like, I know we spoke of Mehalad a fast company, which you can speak about a bit later on, but what are you seeing in terms of conversation, editorial newsletters, people using that, the adoption? Where, where is that more sitting on? The spectrum? That's a good question. That's a good question. So... When we started, 
you know, we're still the same tool from when we started, but I think our focus is different. I mean, I also think that obviously the, the, you know, the market of editorial newsletter changed as well. But when we started, we focused more on so-called experts and thought leaders, you know, people that were already out there doing Twitter and Facebook and just, you know, wanted an easy way to, to sort of like create what we call email digests, the content they were sharing on social media. But later, like after a year or something, we, we noticed that, that a lot of like individual writers um, started joining our platform. Um, so we're now catering more to, well, we're now catering more to publishers, but to, to, um, also to individual writers. So I think it's, it's, uh, it's both. But we see more journalists, you know, journalists and writers that it resonates so much better with them because they're like they used to write. You know, and they were they 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 do a better job at it, to be honest. Um, and then then, uh, uh, like a year or like one one and a half years later, we also got a lot of um, requests from publishers. I mean, an individual can easily you know jump onto something new, and of course, it takes a bit longer for publishers to sort of like, you know, first realize, but also like act on certain trends and certain. Um, like new technologies. So it's not a new technology, obviously, but so we got a lot of requests from publishers that they wanted to, to also do editorial newsletters or wanted to have more control over the newsletters that were written by their, uh, by their journalists, right? Have more control over the, uh, the content and how it looked, you know, these kinds of things. Um, so that's when we started focusing like more on publishers. So these days we, we focus more on larger publishers or mid-sized publishers than, than just individual writers. I mean, it's just still a part of our uh, of our business, obviously. And but yeah, I, I would say that our main focus would be there right now. Makes sense. So it's interesting that you bring about the point that the technology hasn't really changed, but it's been the, just the approach and the focus. I know we've spoken about the broader trends, and I don't want to keep repeating the same things because everyone pretty much knows what's happened in the past few years, but. Sorry, so like, you know how we were speaking about uh, the fact that publishers are more moving towards developing more deep relationships with their audience using subscriptions or, you know, looking at uh, improving their newsletter engagement. Do you think that maybe these are just the simple, simply these are the reasons why people are looking more towards newsletter, editorial newsletters, as a, or are there other reasons do you think people are moving towards creating news, editorial newsletters? I think like the you know the the move to more subscription based models uh matches really well with newsletters because like before like they were relying on social media platforms you know with algorithmic timelines you know and these have become saturated with clickbait you know and advertising and these kinds of things and I think that for for that that sort of like needs a different audience right like subscription models um you know for 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 advertising based models right they wanted the people to click right they wanted to you know get people on the websites you know so that they could they could serve them ads however if you want to do more if you want to do subscription models you need a more loyal uh, audience you know because otherwise people are not like a loyal audience you know might uh, sign up to a subscription so i think you know, with newsletters, they they're a great tool to build such a loyal audience, right? Uh, so I think that's that's why there's like a match. 
So if you look at it, I don't know, uh, the New York Times or the New Yorker, for example, yeah. they see that the, the people that are subscribed to the newsletters are most likely to become a paying subscriber, right? And I, I think that's, that's why other publishers also realizing that newsletters are just a great way to, uh, to support their, like, their, their broader business model. I guess, do you see, uh, I mean, based on the, the, the spectrum of clients or people that come on review, uh, you know, New York Times example is a pretty straightforward one in, in terms of they're trying to encourage people to sign up as members and they're trying to use that as a way to monetize their audience development efforts. Have you seen any other approaches that people have done in order to better monetize their newsletters? Um, sure. Like, like I said, like newsletters are a great way to, you know, build this like um, really engaged audience. And, and, and I think like newsletters are a great way to support, like I said, the, the broader business model. So it's not only subscriptions, right? You can do like, you can use do a newsletter as like a, an add-on to their already existing subscription model, right? Or you could do a standalone paid newsletters, which by the way, we these days it's I think it's more individual publishers that are using it in that way, you know, to just you know create a newsletter and let people pay for it. Uh, but if you look at more like publishers, you know, advertising model is still like you know the largest you know model for publishers. So newsletters can you know generate traffic to your website. But like I said, since they're more you know loyal and it's proven that they read more of your content. I think it's it it um, how do you say that? Like it's it works even you know better to to support your your advertising model uh, because you know when people come to your website they tend to read more so you can serve them more ads etc. You know that's still a big part obviously of the business and then uh, you know you also see sponsorships so you see publishers find sponsors for the whole newsletter or you know include sponsored content into the newsletters which I think, again, is a more closer relationship with the advertiser than uh, like, uh, like, how do you say that? You know, automatically served ads. Yeah. I forgot the words. So, I, you know, that's also sort of like connects to the, to the whole um, idea of newsletters. But another, and other things that we see are like affiliate models, you know, where you, um, where they generate traffic to, for example, Amazon and, and, and uh, get, a, get a fee. For that, uh, but newsletters can also be used, you know, for their event uh, business models, right? You see a lot of publishers uh, organizing events, which is one of their uh, the revenue streams, and, I, and newsletters can also really help with that, you know, to drive more uh, ticket sales, etc. So yeah, I, I think there are like there's like a lot of ways that they can monetize the newsletters than just you know subscriptions. Uh, yeah. I think that's uh, that. There's a lot more. Mark, do you have? Any, I know you don't. Have, I didn't ask for numbers. Or any, I'm not going to ask for numbers. But do you know like a percentage of uh, your review customer base? Uh, the breakdown of what sort of strategy they're using, what approach they're using. So is it like majority are using subscription versus 20%? You know, X model. Like, what do you see the breakdown from your end? Yeah. Yeah, good question. So, I mean, like the, the, the largest part, you know, is, is, is using it just to build, you know, this, this audience and, you know, find a more intimate way to reach them. 
especially for individual writers, it doesn't have like a direct monetization strategy, right? If that makes sense. Yeah. If you look at the 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 if you look at the individual writers, you know, they're mainly using subscriptions. Right. So for them it's um you know it's a way to uh to generate income for the work that they're doing. You know, and there are a few people there that are obviously making a substantial amount of money, but most of them it's sort of like, you know, additional money on the side. So they're they're launching a paid version of their newsletter. We do see some individuals um having sponsors, but that's that's like uh, a small part of it. So I would say like for individual writers, it's mainly subscriptions. For publishers though, they're still sort of testing and thinking about paid newsletters, but I feel they're mainly using it to support a broader business model of like either subscriptions or their advertising model. And we do see some publishers using sponsorships. Actually, that's that's increasing. So we see more and more uh, larger publishers, including... Uh, uh, sponsorships and ads into the newsletters. Fair enough. So, like, there was a period where publishers were pivoting and just publishing their content on social. Do you think email might be a viable platform that publishers might just focus on creating products around email only? Or do you think it still has to be holistic and you need to still have your website and just use everything as a way to connect everything together? Yeah, that's a... Uh... That's a very good question, and I think that it's never, you know, if you've if, if you've seen with the with the social media, so like pivot uh, social media, the, the social media trend is that it's never wise, I think, to um, to focus on just one thing. And I think that's what a lot of publishers are doing these days. You know, they're diversifying their revenue streams. But I think that email can be can be an important part, can be like the center of optimizing a publisher's business models. You know, because it's so much about audience engagement and about loyalty. I think that is an important part, you know, for, I think it's the most important part for a publisher, obviously. So I think like email can be like the, yeah, like I said, the center of like, you know, improving and optimizing their business models. Yeah. But I, I think it's still important for them to, you know, to, to, like I said, sort of diversify and, and look at, all kinds of channels. Um, yeah, I think that, that's, uh, that's what I think. Of course. Uh, Martin, I know um, much of the tech hasn't changed for review, but you know, me, with me looking at different startups and different other, other areas as well, what I noticed was one startup was actually uh, looking at integrating stories with the email calendar. So subscribers, when they would get a newsletter or they would sign up to their product, they would then see events in their calendars and, and potentially when new stories are going to be published live. Have you ever thought about trying to integrate with calendar as a, as a way to, you know, complement newsletter marketing? Oh, sorry, newsletter, uh, email, editorial newsletters, sorry. All right, that's, uh, that's an interesting one. I, honestly, I haven't thought about it. Yeah, no, I haven't thought about it. It's, it's interesting, but, uh, but no. <laughs> Fair enough. In terms of the potential, you know, for editorial newsletters and, you know, potential revenue as well. Uh, we're not going to go down and ask you for specific revenue numbers, but what have you seen from your end, the potential of someone who wants to launch a paid newsletter earning? 
can they be realistically getting somewhere between five or six figures per year? Or do you have that insight to, 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 tell, to, to tell our readers or listeners what the potential of earning revenue from newsletters are? Yeah, well, I think there is a lot of proof out there that it's definitely possible to make a very, you know, to generate a very substantial income, right? You know, we all know the, the famous example of like stratechery. Uh, the hot, uh, what's it called, the hot pot one, but the podcasts, like there are some some newsletters out there that are making like a lot of money. But to be honest, I think it only works for a small group of writers, right? You need to um, you need to produce really high quality content, and you sh- you you also you know have to be able to like effectively market your newsletter, and that's hard, right? It's not everybody can pull it off. Also. Yeah, I think like, obviously it depends on the niche. Like, you know, every, I wanted to say that like, and this is also discussion like in general that, you know, at a certain point there will be like a subscription fatigue, you know, for readers. So I think that's also something, you know, to consider, especially if you look at like at the tech scene where, where we are like, you know, there's so much room, I think, for for paid newsletters. So I think it's it's like two parts. Like not everybody, you know, it's just not for everybody. It's it's like really hard, uh, and also like I'm not sure if there's a, a lot of room for for like many many uh, newsletters, you know, that people will will pay for. So yes, I to answer your question, I think it is possible, and I, I think the proof is out there. Uh, but it's hard uh, to make like a, a very substantial income. Understood. Okay, uh, Martin. So let's let's take a step back. I, I, I want to really help other people with making step a, a a really definitive decision on this as well. So if if, if there's a person who you, who you speak to as a first time customer or potential customer, how do you help them define validate in their mind that yes, this is an avenue that you can go and potentially achieve your goals that you're looking for, whether it might be for uh, to help assist the converting people to uh, subscribers or, you know, engagement, like you said, what, mm-hmm. how do we go through that? How, how, would, how should someone go through that process and help them determine whether this is for them? Yeah, that's a good question. So I think you know, to just start off with, with the editorial newsletter in general, like what we see and what we also always advise people is to, to just get, it's, it's a bit of a cliche, but just to get started and to, you know, especially in the beginning, just to, you know, create a rhythm, you know, just, you know, start and don't think too much about the number of subscribers. So what we see is a lot of people, they join and they say like, okay, how do I grow my subscriber list? You know, how do I go to like a thousand or 2000 or 10,000 subscribers, which obviously is important, but it's important first to just, you know, get used to the, you know, writing a newsletter. Uh, especially if you do like a daily one, which is uh, maybe like it's a whole, you know, it's it's very impactful. Uh, we see also see a lot of weekly newsletters, but still like you know, get in the rhythm, start writing, you know, find your tone of voice, share it with just a you know a handful of people, like friends, family, you know, colleagues, these kinds of things. And then you know, if you don't like, I don't know, ten issues or something, you know, start slowly start you know, building your, your subscriber base. So then you can like, you know, share it to social media maybe. Uh, but, and along the way, you know, create that conversation, right? Get the feedback, um, fine tune your newsletter, 
find the obviously it also everything also depends on the topic but you know find the right niche uh, that you can write about because i you know i think that's also really important to find a good niche instead of like more general you know general kind of newsletters you know and then from there they start growing it and start asking people to refer their newsletter i think that's also a very uh, underestimated way to grow your newsletter that usually also works and all these kind all these things i think work because if you, you know great obviously you need to create create good content but you know people that that read your newsletter for like that have been reading your newsletter for weeks you know there's this sort of like personal connection and if you ask them to share it they usually will so that's sort of like you know it it's often it's not the answer that people want to hear uh, but you know just you have to take it so like slow get in the rhythm uh, and then at a certain point, you know, start growing social media, referrals, you know, these kinds of things. That way you really, you know, create an audience that actually wants to reach your newsletter and that will engage with you. You know, instead of, I don't know, start and then, you know, do ads or something to, to, to sort of boost your subscriber base. We see that that, that, that doesn't work as well as, uh, as taking it a bit slower. And then for, I think for paid newsletters, I think it's it's it sort of ties into the whole you know loyalty and engagement thing again. At certain point, if you have a, have a, a sort of like substantial user base, subscriber base, you know, then you can start a paid newsletter. And you know, again, it depends on a lot of things, but I think it's also always good to to um, you know, loop in your subscribers and see what they what they are willing to pay to pay for. So you can do like a weekly newsletter and then send two or three additional newsletters in the week that, that people can subscribe for. Um, you know, there are, a lot, there are like a lot of models. We also, for example, see a model where writers um, do not do have a member of a subscription model, but do not send out like paid versions of the newsletter. So it's more like a donation kind of thing. Like, hey, if you want to support me so I can keep doing this, then, you know, become a member. Like there, there are different models that you can use, uh, but all in all, I think it's important to keep talking to your subscribers, you know, and and to, you know, like uh, keep it, to, to um, not try to rush things. I think that's really important. Uh, but yeah. how how like you know it's even I I have this issue like sometimes you you go and ask your subscribers, look, this is what I, this is something that I want to do. You think you have, you have developed dollar with them after sending them content because because they keep opening up your emails, they keep clicking on links, stuff like that. You can see that through there. And then after that, you ask them for specific feedback. You say, I have an idea and this is what I want to do. What are your thoughts? And you get no response. So, so, so what does that, like, you're saying you need to develop a constant feedback loop, right? So how do you make sure that you do that through the user design or or the newsletter creation process so that you're also having that constant feedback. Is that something that you need to factor in when you're building your newsletters or what are, you, what are your thoughts? That's a very good question. I think, again, it depends on a lot of things like your audience, your topic, et cetera. But first of all, I think it is important to keep it conversational. So not, you know, send out like 50 issues without any conversation, you know, and then ask them to like, you know, what do you think or something? And I think it's important to keep your newsletter in a in a sort of like personal, you know, to make really a personal newsletter to, 
you know, the, the way you write and the way you present it. I think that's really important. And like I mentioned before, we see that these newsletters are, they have the best open rates. Uh, so that is really important. Uh, but for example, our platform tries to help with that as well, because like every newsletter automatically includes um, a feedback mechanism where they can click thumbs up or thumbs down. And we ask the question like, what did you, what did you, what did you think about this issue? And then when they click a thumbs up, for example, they have the ability to give feedback, right? So that sort of lowers the barrier to, to give feedback. Because even though it's personal, people still don't always know that they can just reply to a newsletter. I guess that's because they're, they're, they're used to getting like no reply at sort of marketing newsletters. So I think that- you know, There's a misconception out there, misconception out there. Yeah, I think so. Uh, so because when we introduced these feedback, this feedback mechanism, we saw that certain newsletters like tripled the number of responses. And I think that's, you know, simply because people just didn't realize or weren't triggered to actually uh, reply. So, yeah, I think there's like, like the, the tone of voice, like I said, but also there are like tools out there that you can use to keep the conversation going. And I think if you do so, you will definitely get a lot of response when you ask for something or like when you ask them to, to reach out. Understood. Martin, so is it possible just to go through use case of, in general terms, fast company and another another one that one of one of your subscribers that are doing very well, so we can see what they're doing well and what they're doing well. Are you able to go through some of the general usages of of their? Sure. Yeah. Sure. So in, first of all, in general, you know there are a lot of types of editorial newsletters, right? So. There's on the one hand that you have like the semi-automated, you know, RSS-driven newsletters. Um, And on the other hand, there are like newsletters that are like written by a person with unique content specifically for that newsletter. And, and, you know, everything in between, obviously. And the automated newsletters, you know, can be effective, but, but we see that they are less effective. Like just, you know, 10 links doesn't work as well as a newsletter that includes, you know, a a limited number of links, but with commentary and with thoughts, you know, um, you know, that works way better. Um, So to give you an example, here in the Netherlands, we have a newsletter about Trump. (laughs) It's it's a Dutch newsletter and it's a weekly one and it has over 40,000 subscribers. And they, they, it's a very, very long newsletter. You know, it's and it, but it's written really well. It has a lot of links in it. You know, with um, with like additional. If you if you're interested, you know, you can click on it with, for additional information. But it's it's sort of like a self-contained story. So if you read it, you're sort of like up to date what happened, right? Uh, that week regarding like Trump. Um, and first of all, I thought like, oh man, this is so long. Nobody's going to read that. But it's actually doing extremely well. So their open rates are like extremely high. You know, and, and so that's working really well. But for example, uh, what I personally prefer is like, you know, something in the middle, you know, where you use articles to sort of like support and tell your story, right? So it, for example, the, the, the newsletter by Casey Newton of The Verge, I think that's it's a really, really good newsletter. So what he does, he sort of like writes his story in, in the introduction and then shares like, uh, a bunch of links that sort of like uh, is complementary to his story. 
and uh, you know that's that works really well. Uh, that works also really well. So yeah, I think that um, I would say like just links doesn't work as good. So make sure to sort of like add uh, commentary and thoughts, etc. Uh, actually write a story. I think that that works the best. Um, and just with Fast Company, are they coming on just to, to help drive their paid subscribers or what's their overarching objectives and goals? Yeah, so uh, what they did is they consolidated all their different newsletters into one larger newsletter. Yeah. Uh, and I, I would say that they have like two goals. First of all, obviously, it's, it's driving traffic to their website uh, because they're still... Uh, focused on advertising, but they also do include uh, sponsorships and advertising within the newsletters, you know, which is interesting. Uh, so that's that's how they set it up right now. Well, what watch your space. Um, I'll be interested to follow up and see how they're going, Martin. So yeah, it'll be interesting to catch up down the track once now that they're re- they've launched with you guys. It'll be interesting to see how they progress. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, that that's uh, that's great. Yeah, <laughs> cool. Is there any other quick common user design aspects or, uh, you know, usability aspects that people should look at? Yeah, well, uh, one thing that, that you would expect to be like sort of like the standard, but, you know, often doesn't happen is that like, you know, create newsletters for mobile, obviously, so make them responsive. A lot of newsletters are still like very small. You need to zoom in in your email, et cetera. That doesn't really work. So I think that is... You know, that is, is very important. I also think like fonts make a difference, right? You don't not only want to, um, you know, make sure that your you know, design matches your brand, but, it, you know, fonts also really help like with readability, etc. So I think that's also very important. Yeah, I would say like these things, right? Focus for mobile and readability, you know, focus on the content and don't add too much like... How do you say that? Like too much on like design for design purposes. Yeah. Uh, no, it's all about the content. So yeah. Absolutely. Are there any like I've, I've noticed that Google releasing playbooks and you know they emphasize the fact that you need to give, tell uh, give the expectation to users about what they're going to read in beforehand. So for example, when someone's going to start before they read an article, you usually see next to the timestamp the time or take to read an article. Do you think those type of UX considerations would need to be factored into newsletters as well? Oh, that's an interesting one. Uh, I haven't seen that before, actually, for a newsletter. Um, I wish uh, email could be also a bit more interactive. So what I usually like is, you know, the sort of like progress bar, like how far uh, are you, like within an article. Absolutely. You know, obviously, you can do these kinds of things. Also, like how far down the newsletter people read. I wish we could do that some more. But I think just mentioning, you know, the time to read or maybe even like, I don't know, the number of articles, these kinds of things. I think that that could, you know, it could be a great addition, you know, for people to know what they expect. So if they skim through their inbox, you know, multiple newsletters, you know, that could, it could be something that's sort of like, um, um, that sort of like uh, triggers people to you know actually start reading your newsletter. So that's a that's a good one. That's something that we uh, we should experiment with. <laughs> cool. Uh, thanks. So yeah, I think based on that note, what do you think 
what's the next steps moving forward in, in developing editorial newsletters and what's your plans for this year and beyond for review? Yeah, so like I said, I, I think that email can, can really be the center like of, of optimizing a publisher's business model. Uh, and I feel that we can, you know, we can really help them with that. And, but also like, it goes beyond, we would like to also go beyond email, right? If you, you know, I, we should definitely, you know, keep exploring other kinds of channels that have the sort of like same character, characteristics, um, you know, personal, so like intimate way to reach people. Where For example? People actually, I don't know. They're like, a, I'm not a big fan of SMS. Uh, text of text which you, see, right. you see like text but also like messengers you know other kind of like you know, uh, channels uh, sure. uh, the way you can like reach reach your audience and i mean we always we we always have been we, we already are sort of like this is like center within like the like the distribution uh, strategy for publishers because you like they can pull in content within our platform but they can also republish it to other um, uh, platforms, so for example, Medium or your like uh, your own, you know, homegrown CMS or like WordPress. Um, so, like I said, I think it, it can really be the center, and we really want to help them with that. And I think we can. And it's also interesting to combine the email data with the with the online data. That's also something that we, you know, the direction we want to go more into, like to to connect these data sources. And I think that that, that really helps. You know, mapping the, um, the 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 user journey and help them to optimize their business models. Uh, yeah, that's something that we we would really like to uh, to also focus on in the future. Awesome. Is there any current initiatives that you're working on now? Any any current initiatives from what you said now that you're working on? Oh yeah, so many things. <laughs> so one, you know, large project we're working on right now is. Um, is a new sort of like statistics feature that allows you to see, um, you know, not only how many people read your email, but also the, the online version or like how many people, you know, came to your landing page and where they come from. So referral information, so the, these kinds of things. I think that 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 taps into the, um, to what I just said, like combining the data, you know, of your online uh, traffic with your email traffic. That's something that we're working on right now. That sounds interesting. I'll, I'll look for, yeah, it's interesting to hear and we look, I'll keep track of it as well. It's, it sounds very interesting. Uh, Thanks. Martin, just uh, on a final note, you're, you're a three-time startup founder and yeah. obviously you've moved into the publishing space now. So just for those people who either just want to be entrepreneurial or they are maybe a journalist and they want to move into, into the tech space or just in terms of becoming an entrepreneur and, and they wanted to develop their own product, what, what general advice can you give them? And what are the, some of the lessons you came from, from that, I guess, from your experience today? Uh, yeah, so something I've, I have been doing in a, maybe a bit of a different way is, you know, which is very, uh, it's obvious that I'm saying this, but uh, you know, you should start your own newsletter, whether you're like just starting something or want to start something, or if you're aspiring to, you know, be a, a journalist. Journalist, I think it's always you know good to have your own newsletter and uh, you know build an audience there, and that can really help with your career. Yeah, I would say that's it's a very great way to uh, to start 
Uh, and I know I, it's me saying this, you know, the guy that has a newsletter platform, you know, but there are people out there that, that have benefited from it a lot. So I would say like, you know, start building your own audience, whether you're a product guy, like a tech guy, or whether you're a journalist, I think that would always uh, help you a lot in the future. That's a universal truth. How about some of the lessons you learned in terms of, like, uh, how, how about some of the things to consider when you're building a product? Yeah, I've always found it a hard question. You know, there are so many things, especially as an entrepreneur, right? Um, so many things that go wrong, so many things that you know, go as you planned. I would say, I think like with the newsletters, like I mentioned, like make sure to keep it conversational. I think that also applies to, I don't know, if you want to build a product, for example, from the start, you know, keep start talking and keep talking to your audience, whether it's like customers or whether it's like, I don't know, anybody, you know, keep talking to them and learn from them. Because like the number one reason why startups fail, product startups, is that because people are building something that, you know, people do not need, right? So just keep talking to them and, and make sure that, that you're building something that actually solves the pain for somebody. Yeah, I would say that, that that would be, that's something that I've learned over time. Awesome. Okay. Uh, thanks thanks for joining us, Martin. That, that, that was very fundamental advice. And thank you for going through editorial newsletters today. Really appreciate it. Thanks. Thanks. Thanks for having me. Thank you for joining us on this episode of the State of Digital Publishing Podcast. Listen to past and upcoming episodes across all major podcast networks. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and join our community groups. Finally, visit stateofdigitalpublishing.com for premium information, resources, and become a member today. Until next time.